Chapter Twenty Three of White Rose of Weary Leaf by Violet Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three. Is that you, Jeremy's mother? Edith asked next day in a wilfully feeble voice, responding to a tap at her bedroom door. She lay in bed sipping her morning tea. The baby had been with her and had just been taken away. The old lady walked in her moon face of calmest pink and white framed in the close, tightly frilled bonnet which she reserved for bedroom use. The lace strings of it were firmly tied under her chin. Her white silk wadded bedgown, with a silken rope round the place where her waist used to be, was properly and neatly fastened everywhere where a fastening could possibly operate. She did not approve of the flamboyant style of bedroom dressing, but sought the becoming nevertheless. Like the greater part of her clothing, a touch of cerulean blue was introduced into it. She considered pink meretricious, and left that colour to Lady Medrow. Her soft grey hair was evenly parted on her broad white brow that two deep horizontal lines of reflection intersected. She had once kept pace with modern thought, and read Darwin and Huxley. She had few other wrinkles. She stood now a tall, not ungainly but unyielding figure at the foot of edith dan's bed and looked down on her as the pyramids might look down on the ages isabella medrow informs me in her haphazard style that you are meditating a folly said she will you allow an old woman to address you on the subject oh yes certainly replied edith dand raising herself a little on her pillows and looking touchingly frail and weak beside the sturdy firm-fleshed old woman at the foot of the bed only please sit down you look so tall mrs bowman smiled and obeyed her daughter-in-law it is very good of you to be willing to listen to me for i do not myself believe in interference between man and wife only as my son himself is the delinquent perhaps you will agree that i may take a personal interest in the readjustment of your relations yes jeremy's mother only we have not quarrelled as yet i am glad to hear it then you have not spoken to amy yet either i am thinking it over indeed i only want to do right i know you do my poor child but that is just where the difficulty lies it is somewhat confusing in these modern days the right is so much complicated with expediency. In my days issues were simpler. Now what with motors and electricity, stronger minds than ours may be pardoned for failing to see their way clear. But, she paused, there is one sure guide. I am sure you are sitting very uncomfortably, said Edith suddenly, seeing church talk ahead. I am very well, my dear. Let me continue. The dear Dean used to say, I hear him now. God is love. Now, if indeed all our actions are to be the outcome, are dictated by love, then it is pretty certain that we shall do nothing violent, nothing thoughtless, nothing unnecessary. Then you want me to keep Amy too? The wife blurted out. The old woman raised her hand. Wait, I wish to consider this entirely from my son's point of view. He is my son, and the son of the Dean of Blois, erratic, full of ideas as he may be, derived from the extraordinary and atheistical books he reads, but he is all the same fundamentally sound. 
the views he imbibed at his mother's knee are still with him he is a man of honour as well as a clever man and men of honour do not make love to inferiors living under their wife's protection establish that and you clear away the serious part of the aspersion that has been cast upon him he is not likely to forget what is due to himself i never thought it was more than a flirtation mrs dan said humbly hardly that i should say the fruit of a servant's nasty mind really you should not listen to servants i don't very right well then about your attitude in this matter may i not choose that for myself please jeremy's mother you will do that in any case edith for you are an obstinate little puss and always were but after i have spoken i hope that you will see reason to modify your ideas a little of course your views are sure to be a little uncompromising as a result of your youth you own to twenty-seven don't you i would not seek to probe you further anyhow you are a mere chit to me who have lived edith dan smiled quietly into the embroidered sheets at the parallelism discoverable in the substance of the two curtain lectures she had undergone in the last twenty-four hours how these two wicked old women preached but she was patient enough edith was always what is called good with old people she lay quite still while mrs bowman proceeded to burrow into the recesses of her past and to give her the resultant worldly wisdom accruing therefrom as lady meadrow had done the night before perhaps dear you would not be inclined to believe it but i was accounted an excessively good-looking woman when i was young i can quite believe it the daughter-in-law answered politely i have not altogether kept my figure one cannot expect that at seventy-five though isabella medrow hopes to do so but it tended at its best to the junoesque it was of the commanding order the poet browning once said of me that i was grandiose well edith my love let me tell you with all the physical gifts with which my maker had been pleased to endow me i should no more have thought of attempting in word or deed to how shall i say to circumscribe the area of the dear dean's glances or to limit in any way the scope of his attention than i should have thought of flying he had to be free i knew he would not rove long but come back like a boomerang said edith laughing she was really quite amused but confess jeremy's mother that you sometimes gave the partners of his crime a good talking to in the drawing-room after he had kissed them in the study edith my love you must not permit yourself to be coarse it never went as far as you suggest though the dean was an extremely handsome man one of the most fascinating men of his day and as for lecturing the poor vapid creatures who imagined they could supplant me i sometimes did assure them in so many words that it was no good that the dear dean's affections were fast anchored in me that he was faithful as a rock to the true faith i was young and heedless then but i was not above taking counsel and advice i took all my difficulties to a very wise man the future master of st frithiof's he was canon of blois at the time a most reliable man my mainstay in those days and your husband afterwards true he admired me from the very beginning he shared the feelings of the whole staff of the cathedral canons clergy singing men even 
there was one curly-haired base who became quite excessive then when we went to oxford i can remember that in chapel every sunday an unanimous prayer for me went up from a hundred throats one and all invoked heaven on the behalf of the gracious phoebe bowman and was there never any scandal about it scandal and me mrs bowman drew herself up loftily no neither as dean's lady nor master's wife did any hint of blame arise my ermine was unspecked how should it there was nothing behindhand about anything my life was open and as straight as my parting and that was an achievement let me tell you in those days your parting is like a roman road now do go on jeremy's mother my dear child i am telling you all this not to amuse you though i dare say it is very interesting but to substantiate my claim to know men and manners it is as a woman of the great world that i venture to advise you and this is my theory i have observed that no man not even the best of them can dispense with variety in the blessings of female companionship like bees they are apt to fly from flower to flower seeking an impossible combination sipping intellectual union from the one admiration and flattery from another and perhaps severe practical advice from the third but having exhausted the particular virtue of any one of these they fly back to the one woman they truly love and admire the standby, the ne plus ultra the one that has got them and no mistake about it there is a good deal in what you say said the one who had got jeremy dand and so what need you care that a little pale unimportant creature having happened to realize his ideal not of beauty or intellect but of efficiency should usurp a corner of your province anybody fairly smart and clever has a great power i grant you but even then it is merely man's lower comfort-loving nature she holds the reins of it is she indeed who makes it possible for men to give all their devotion to high ideal qualities and worship beauty in peace and comfort a perfect woman nobly planned to warn or, or is it warm to comfort and command the kitchen wordsworth words always seem to me to express amy jeremy can't help appreciating amy's qualities as we all do he sees that she is a born organizer a mastermind at management of a house supremely tactful never putting herself forward except to be of use neat tidy and dexterous the old lady grew enthusiastic edith looked sour there is nothing she can't do from cooking a dinner and nailing up a creeper to driving a motor and massaging me where the little thing learnt it all puzzles me but think how nice it is for jeremy away the whole day as he is to be able to feel sure that everything will go on wheels while he is gone that his mother is comfortable in her old age that whatever befalls amy is there that if his child cuts herself amy can practise first aid and prevent it having lockjaw and how the child adores her amy is so good to it she is never out of the nursery or far beyond call she sees to its food and its clothes both are admirably adapted 
the nurse says she herself flies to amy for everything and need never worry you with questions of management or nursery politics amy is just like a mother to little erina what what's the matter you are crying for such maternal and housekeeping instincts as edith dand possessed were now insulted and wounded beyond endurance her sobs terrified old mrs bowman who flapped her hands about helplessly and pattered about the room looking for salts or ether don't don't dear don't give way so it is so bad for you let me ring for someone you dare but what have i done good heavens you will cry yourself ill silly child come come dearie you must not spoil your sweet eyes all you've left me well isn't it enough poor amy no one ever admires her eyes or her mouth either jeremy does i his mother assure you he doesn't she isn't his type at all he said so only the other day bluff and that her nose was too long for beauty Tcha! you said that my child loves her better than me did i what an old fool i am it was just a way of speaking i wanted to make you oh i know what you wanted to do you were simply praising up all you'd know the woman who has insulted me so that i should not dismiss her from my establishment you adore her you all adore her i cannot cannot bear it only as a housekeeper dear i appreciate her and that is what we all feel about her she has absolutely no personal charm she is simply a good manager that's all so if i send her away you will go too i am sorry to say dear that i shall have no other option than to do so but one hopes dear edith that it won't come to that i hope my tiresome sermonizing both your sermonizings mamma has been at it too i think you have all gone mad or it is i i certainly never thought when i took amy into my house that she would turn out such a cockatrice and pray what is that queer beast it's what amy is an adventuress and she has sent you all mad yes an out-and-out -out adventuress where did she come from where did jeremy pick her up suddenly she appeared in our midst jeremy procured her i believe it has all been a plant from the very beginning a low woman out of the streets no one ever saw an adventuress of the type i suppose you mean said mrs bowman dryly with fewer personal advantages adventurous a little pale starved-looking girl like that at least she was when she first came here i took to her at once and i hope i know what's what poor little thing trust my discrimination edith and calm yourself i am quite shocked at you but i hope that what i have said say the threats you have hurled at me i hope my threat and your mother's threat of leaving since you will describe them so offensively will have the effect of discouraging you in your plan of making a stupid fuss and induce you to look it over this time for all our sakes did not i hear jeremy inviting you to go over to paris with him on tuesday why not accept and get some new things you like clothes procure yourself some distraction and meantime i will have a talk with amy and suggest prudence more discretion i know she has only been indiscreet mrs dand tear-stained shaken with sobs had slid out of bed and now stood up menacingly 
no jeremy's mother you won't do that i have not yet decided what to do not absolutely though i am afraid it will not be what you want but anyhow if you or mamma get in front of me and breathe a word of this to amy she goes and at once i hope i am still mistress of my own house end of chapter twenty three recorded by lisa reichert